This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to St James' Pocket is Everything is Black and White Podcast. Joined here by Lee Ryder after what was a very disappointing FA Cup fourth round uh, game against Oxford. 52,000 here to see the game, Lee. But it won't live long in the memory at all, will it? No, it was instantly forgettable in terms of performance and Steve Bruce warned before the game not to take Oxford too lightly and I think Newcastle clearly didn't heed the warning. They were half-hearted at times. Um, yeah, they, they had most of the ball and they, they managed to get it in the box a couple of times um, or possibly on another day might have had a penalty Um and Joe Linton got taken down or the handball for Clark, but, you know, we're clutching at straws. So we've got to be realistic. Newcastle didn't do enough to win the game. And for me, I think, you know, as it sort of went past the hour mark, it was almost like it started to dawn on the players that they had a replay if they didn't win. And then they tried to up the game a little bit, but it was too late because by then Oxford had a good foothold in the game in terms of defending. And really, they possibly could have nicked it had for better finishing but um, it's nil-nil it's probably the right result in terms of um, what both teams deserve but it's not the right result in terms of another game for Newcastle more bodies will have to go through a game and it eats another winter break so it punishes the players in a way It was the right day wasn't it for Newcastle to really win fans back on the side like you say it was sold out and Right from the off, Steve Bruce reference, referenced it there in his post-match press conference. It just didn't seem to click that they were careless in possession. Nothing went right for them, and it was like you say, just a bit half-hearted, really. Yeah, I think you know that Rochdale game. The game was done and dusted after about 25, 24, 25 minutes. But uh, sadly, today, and uh, it was never, never felt like had that feel to it at all. And Newcastle. <sighs> You know, I think they had 15 goal attempts, but some of them were like long range and there were sort of half chances almost. So it was just the day really when, you know, you need someone who's going to be prolific to step up to it. And, New- and Newcastle arguably don't have that type of player, you know. Um, the benchmarks always someone like Alan Shearer, who used to, you know, roll his sleeves up and drag them through games like this. Um, you know, the FA Cup runs in 98, 99, long time ago now. Um, but Newcastle just don't have that that sort of go-to guy to step up in games like this. Joe Linton done his best. He got 
battered and bruised. He got patched up three times. He had three different shirts on in the day, but he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Two offsides, VAR. You were just praying that one of them would would be signalled as a goal, but sadly, um, it's nil nil, and we've got to try again. We look at the chances that Newcastle had. You mentioned the other two efforts that Julian had ruled off. F offside, there was an overhead kick by Almiron. He scooped it over from about six yards. Julian Linton on the volley um, put one over the bar in the second half as well. A couple of shots from St Maxman, but the keeper wasn't really tested at all. Not really. It was probably one of the, the easier days he'll have in his career. Um, they put him under a bit of pressure, but he, there was never anything that was, as you say, um, tested him and thankfully for Newcastle Carl Dollar pulled off a good save at the, right at the end and without that then it would have been the shock of the shock of the round um, but in a way it would have been Builder's shock of the round but had anyone been at this game and watched it it wouldn't have been a shock because Newcastle just weren't up to it so yeah disappointing really I'm, uh, I don't want to I don't want my disappointment to to sound too negative but you can't really say too much that's positive about that game either it was a uh, Disappointing, and I think we just spoke to Jamal Lascelles down there, and uh, he was very, he was very honest about it, um, and said there's no excuse for that type of performance. So, look out for that one. I don't think it's negativity. I think it's probably realism. Maybe <laughs> say if you were at the game, yeah. you would have seen it. And did you think towards the end that Oxford were, were going to nick it because there was a, an occasion Brown sprinted through in the cells was was lost. Um, he couldn't keep up with him, and then obviously you mentioned the Darlow safe there. Um, they had the chances. Yeah, there was this one that curled wide as well from Brown um, out on the right. That you know, I think the Oxford manager Carl Robinson thought it was in, had his head in his hands, and they came close to a shock. I mean, that these are no mugs. I said that before the game. They, you know, they they, they whacked West Ham four 0 earlier in the season in the League Cup. They gave Man City a good game. It's going to be a harder game down there. It's uh, Newcastle missed their opportunity. You know they. It could be jubilant tonight. We could be, you know, looking forward to that draw on Monday. Now, you know, the the the, the bad feeling about the cup has returned, and yeah, it's a replay that I think even Carl Robinson said in his press conference they they don't want. I mean, the chairman's probably of Oxford's the only one that will want that because it's a, it's a money spinner. But in terms of games and bodies and injuries, it's the last thing anybody wanted. We looked at we look at the bench and there weren't any really attacking options to come off and change the game. You had Eliza Swanson, you had Allen on the bench as well, but Steve Bruce isn't really going to turn at them when it's nil nil. Um, you know, and the game's still in the balance. Does that again show Lee Charlie, maybe Mike Ashley that you need you need to back your manager here because at the moment you've got Joe Linton, who Steve Bruce again references that he's not exactly 100% he's been playing with an injury he got battered today his eye was his eyebrow was bleeding Carroll looks like he can only play one every maybe three four games Gail Muto out it's a long list of injuries of strikers who aren't actually that prolific when they're fit anyway so mm. another example of why Steve Bush needs to be backed and able to get a striker through the door yeah the, unfortunately the vibes certainly that I'm getting is that a striker isn't the priority at at the moment and saying at the moment there's only five days left or something of the window so it seems like left back is the priority for them really <sighs> Joe Linton you know against League One opposition he got one against Rochdale didn't he didn't get anything today um, you are as I say who's the talisman that you know takes the game by the scruff of the neck 
Uh, Alan Shearer is the benchmark, as I say, but those players, you know, they don't come round very often and you've got to pay a lot of money to get them. So, sadly, Newcastle just don't have that play at the minute. Is Jarrod Bone the one? But Hull are charged at twenty million for him. I don't think Newcastle prepared to pay that because they've looked at his his background and how much Hull actually paid for him when they got him originally. And I think if you look at that, then that tells you why they're not prepared to pay the twenty million. So, but even then, is he the man? Is he going to be? Is he going to be able to step up into the Premier League and deliver every single week, week in, week out? We'd love to see him try, but Newcastle don't seem to want to take the gamble. And finally, just from yourself, takeover rumours today, um, the Saudi Royal Family reportedly in talks to buy Newcastle United. Um, just on this evening, what is it, 20 past six there, so obviously just bear in mind things could change by the time this is published or you hear it. Um, but what, what, what do you make of that, that claim? Interesting that, you know, it's it's obviously been whirring away in the background, but again, you can't get too... You know, don't don't bang on it too much because Newcastle at the minute haven't had a bid from from the said group. So until that happens, it's it's basically we've been here before. Uh, Steve Bruce almost tried to shrug it off, didn't he, in, in his press conference uh, after the game? So Newcastle fans will they'll be disappointed about the cup tonight and. Most of them know the score with takeovers. They know that until that it's till it's done, um, you can you can't get excited. There we are. Thanks, Lee, for joining us. We'll go and get Kieran Kelly to get his views on what was a disappointing day here at St James's Park. Joined here now by Kieran Kelly. Kieran, just sum up kind of what your feeling was going into that game, and now what your feeling is after watching what was a far from a pleasing performance. Yeah, I think. Um you could feel the the excitement in the air before kickoff. I mean, to see so many fans out in force uh, for a fourth round game, uh, you you couldn't help but feel. You know, is this going to be the time Newcastle finally end that curse? You know, the, it's been two thousand six, well documented. The last time they gone to the fifth round, and you're thinking you couldn't get a, a better chance here at home to League One side or who have their own cup pedigree. But you felt after the lessons they learned against Rochdale, could they? Um, could they take those lessons this game? But from the first minute, it, the the intensity wasn't there, and um, for all the spirit and heart they've shown um, in the past seven days, they, they just didn't do enough really to deserve anything from this. And lucky to get a replay, to be honest. And you do just have that sense of feeling deflated, a bit like after the first Rochdale game, where you're like, well. That, it's a great chance for them to avoid a more fixture congestion and yeah they it's just disappointing but I mean they have a, a chance to do it again Bruce said himself they can't play any worse than they did and and you're hoping that's the case because I think they will not have a better chance to get into the fifth round you go Oxford are a good side but two league one teams um, Newcastle if they have any ambitions of getting into say the quarterfinals or the semifinals they have to be winning these games you say that Steve Bruce said we couldn't be any worse. So why were they as bad as they were? You know, he said it didn't click from the start. What was it? Was it the pressure of playing in front of a full house? The pressure of, you know, you beat Oxford and you get through the fifth round. Everyone's looking ahead to maybe, like you say, the quarterfinals. Why didn't they play as well as we, we, we probably thought they would do? Yeah, it's strange. I think I suppose this 
these game this game sorry was was very different to the Everton Chelsea games. Newcastle had so much possession, and we've seen time and time again this has been a problem for three four years when they have the ball when the onus is on them to break teams down. They struggle, and you also give give credit to Oxford. I thought they were really good, fearless from the start, so composed on the ball, and they really dragged Newcastle into battle with their tackling. And um, I thought they they were just a good they they put up to it. And Newcastle just couldn't kind of almost match their intensity. And why that's happened, um, I mean, it's for me that's a mentality thing. I think yeah, you can make a lot about the schedule, but. He freshened up the side enough, you know, five changes, and you look at the quality that was there. So, uh, some Maxman's easing back in, but you know, you, you saw what he could do when he had that those couple of runs. Um, you know, they, they had enough on that pitch to win that game. So, I, I think it. I don't think it's a pressure thing. I don't think the players have anything to fear playing in front of this that many fans. I think they they like that more than anything. Um, but they just didn't turn up today. Let's talk about the midfield. Then you had Sean Longstaff and Nibel Bentalab making his debut. What did you make of their performances? With, with, with Sean, I mean, um, I think he doesn't look the same player he did um, a year ago. And you think back to the Man City game, I think the anniversary of that is, is exactly a year ago uh, next week. And uh, it seemed he's the world at his feet. And... Uh, just doesn't seem to look the same player. Um, I think these are the kind of games where, you know, just just the simple things he 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 does really well on his day, but everything just seems almost a bit too complicated and overcomplicated for him. And it's just about simplifying his game again. And I think we've been saying that now for a couple of months. And uh, he's he's been unfortunate. It's been so stop start from this season between being out of the team, getting suspended, being injured, coming in and out, getting a run of games. It's been hard for him and. Um, you know, we know how much potential he has. Um, there's a reason why there was the interest in him in the summer, but it's just uh, mentally is 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 everything on track for him there? Is is is, is his focus um, completely there at the moment? Because he he just doesn't look the same player. Bentaleb thought he did okay. I think it's his first game, 288 days uh, when it comes to like a first team game, and you can see he's, he's quite a tidy player. I think what will be interesting come. Uh, once he gets that match sharpness, will we see the attacking bits in his play? Because he he's not necessarily box to box midfielder, but I think he can give Newcastle a lot of energy going forward. And hopefully, we see the uh, the restraints come off that um, in the coming weeks that he can contribute in that side as well. We hope we've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda, and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. Looking ahead to the replay, we don't know when it's going to be yet. You can tell you're really happy that you're going to have to go down to Oxford on a probably a cool <laughs> Tuesday night. But Oxford will look at the performance today. They'll look at the chances they had, especially in that second half, and how Brown outpaced, uh, I think it was shot analyst cells, and how they just created a lot of chaos in the final third. And they'll go in very happy and thinking, you know what, they can actually uh, spring a surprise on Newcastle, probably in front of the TV cameras as well. Yeah, it's a reverse of the, the Rochdale game where... You know, at least Newcastle had the the bonus of knowing they were coming home and come bring them back to St James Park, and they could take the lessons they learned. Whereas it's kind of the reverse this time with Oxford's been very good at home as well in the Carabao Cup. They beat West Ham, I think, four 0 So 
if if Newcastle need a warning that they're going to have to play at their best, they've already had it. So you'd like to think they they'll be a lot better. But yeah, you're looking at the fixtures. So they play Norwich on the Saturday, and I think then on the Tuesday they'll play Oxford. So very quick turnaround. Um, but if they're anything like they are today, they'll definitely go out. <laughs> I think we can all say that now. Oxford, we're really up for this. They'll be even more up for it at home. And um, we've seen what they're all about for a stand today. And they're they're a really decent side. There you are, Kieran. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll have to find Mark Douglas to wrap up the podcast. Now joined by Mark Douglas. Mark, we came into this game, Salad Stadium, Hoping of fifth round. I mean, Castle still in the hat, as Steve Bruce points out, but it was a, a tough afternoon. And at the end of it, you probably thought Oxford were going to be the side most likely to, to nick the win. Yeah, it, was, it got very edgy towards um, towards the end of the game, and, and, and Oxford really came into it. They're not a bad side, you know. I think I think I said that before the game that, that you know they can they, they're not they're not sort of up and at them League One team. Neither of the two teams that Newcastle played in the competition have been. And, and they grew in confidence, I think, because they knew that Newcastle weren't going to hurt them. Newcastle today, toothless. Um, you know, I think they've got to... And, and this is my worry ahead of next week, is that when Newcastle have to set the tempo and, you know, get a bit of the ball um, against the teams, you know, supposedly inferior teams, they do struggle. You know, they've not beaten any of those teams down among them, uh, down, down near them so far this season with any conviction yet. So it, it was just a, a poor day, really, and... You know we've had some good, we've had some good outcomes. Not necessarily great performances, but we've had some good outcomes in the last few weeks. And today was neither a good performance nor a good outcome. And and that's when, you know, this team and this this manager will will end up getting criticism. You know, you have to look at it and say they're still in the hat. This is what we said last time. You know, don't overreact because they're still in there. And you know, you never know how they're going to get there, but they're going to have to improve to play the second second half of the season. I have some sympathy for them because they've played a lot of games and there was some, some tired looking limbs out there you know I think Sean Longstaff is really struggling this season I mean he was you know not nowhere nowhere near his levels today but he wasn't the only one some maximum didn't you know I don't think since he's come back from his injuries yet really hit the, you know he's really got going Jalinton missed some good chances the, the two the two offside goals the second one was a great finish um, but he just didn't look didn't look really really at it DeAndre Yedlin didn't really you know the two the two fullbacks really. I think Ben Taleb did okay, tidy enough, but he, he doesn't look he doesn't look match fit yet. So yeah, really disappointing and frustrating day. And 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 you know they're going to go into the hat. And but they, you know it's a big it's a it's not a big ask, but it's it's not going to be straightforward in Ox- Oxford because they've beaten a few Premier League teams there. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there a case that with 10 minutes left and you castle up against it, that you, you throw on 
Alan only threw in Sorensen and you try and change the game by giving a, a young kid his chance to make his name in front of this crowd. Well, you could make a case for Alan in, in some ways, but I suppose, you know, Sorensen, I, I, I'm not sure he's at the level required yet. And they obviously wanted to keep Jolinton on because they felt that he might, you know, he, something might drop for him. You could say that, but I, I don't think those players are yet at the level where you'd they kind of make a difference. And because the game was so tight, I think probably had an eye on not losing it as well. And, you know, you, you, you throw somebody into an edgy atmosphere like that, especially if they haven't played much first in football before. And, and, and you you know, it, it's a risk, isn't it? And I think he was playing it cautious in the end because he wanted to he wants to stay in this competition. So, you know, which is what it, what it came down to in the end. I think that's probably why he didn't do it. They could have they could have made changes. They could have changed formation. They could have, you know, they, they could have put, I mean, what did he do on Wednesday? He put Longstaff and Almir on up front, which, you know, is mad when you think about it. But he's got nothing. He's got nothing on the bench striker-wise. I don't think they're going to sign any a striker before next week. I think if they're going to do anything, it'll be a left back. Um, so... You know, it's probably going to be like this for the next couple of weeks. They were hoping that the, after the Norwich game, they'd get a couple of weeks off and get all their players back. But it's not its not going to happen now, is it? Because they've got another game. So they've actually only got about 10 days off now, as opposed to, to sort of 15 days. So, you know, that seems to be Newcastle United's way. They make it difficult for themselves. So what went wrong today? Did Newcastle come into this game maybe expecting to win or was it more that it just, it just didn't click for them? I, th- I think they're t- I think they're tired. I think you can see that the levels the, the the levels are not there. I don't think they worked out a way to beat Oxford. You know, I think that against Rochdale they were on the front foot early, got the goal, um, and you know they, they they just looked that day as if they had the, the right plan to to kind of unpick unpick Rochdale. But they just they just didn't you know it, it didn't look right from the start. That midfield wasn't wasn't right. I think I, I, you know I'd question whether Bentaleb going straight in was necessarily the right call because he didn't I don't think he looked he looked dynamic enough. I think Sean Longstaff is struggling. I would have gone I would have gone with Matty to be honest today because he looks a bit more dynamic. Um you know too over reliant on St St Maximum he who didn't make the right decisions today. Um Almiron was his usual difficult self but I just think you know they weren't they were set up they were set up with three at the back against the League One team at home because that's how they know how to play. And he doesn't want to go back to playing the three-five-two or the four-four-two that he's tried to play because he just doesn't think that they're good enough to do that or not you know, necessarily good enough. But they don't have the personnel to do it. I thought they missed John Joe Shelby today. I think he would have he would have possibly um, been you know got on the ball and, and made things happen. Um, but you know, it, this is the Newcastle United team. Look, let's not let's not take away from the fact that okay they've they've got four points and, and they've had a great week in terms of results. But let's not get away from the fact that those two performances were very much on the back foot. Didn't didn't really do much in either of those games, so they got good results. But you know, let's it, that that performance is in keeping with the performances of the last of the last week. You know, and all credit to the club for for taking four points in the last two games because it's brilliant return. But let's not kid ourselves that you know that they came into this in playing really well because they haven't been playing well for a while. You mentioned there it wasn't working from the first minute. Steve Bruce mentioned it there in his press conference. So many people will be listening to this podcast thinking, well, if you've seen it in the first minute. Why not change it? Not, I'm not saying straight away, but you don't wait until midway through the, the second half to do so. Yeah, well, and, and he has changed things, hasn't he? In in, in previous games, he, he has made changes to the formation and, and and system to try and change things. It's worked sometimes; it hasn't worked at other times. They've looked a bit all over the place in some games, and, and then it has made a difference in other games. But he just he just didn't do it today, and and I, and I felt 
he was probably thinking this is going to click at some point. And there were periods of the game where they did get on top and they had like periods of 10-minute pressure. Um, you know, Oxford did as well. But Newcastle, probably just after Oxford had gone close, they had 10 minutes where they went, you know, they, they had they had some real chances in, the, in those 10 minutes. I think he probably would have changed it if they hadn't had that 10 minutes. But they did have that 10 minutes and then went into the final 10 minutes and didn't and it just all went flat again. Um and that's probably in his thinking, you know, he just didn't he just didn't make the call. But I, I do have some, you know, I know it fans won't want to hear this, the listeners won't want to hear this to being at that game because it was awful. But, you know, they are running on empty, there's no doubt about it. They need this week to kind of you know, rest, rest and recuperate and play and because it's an important game next Saturday because, you know, although there's seven points clear, they can get dragged back into it if they lose to Norwich. Um you know, so I do have some sympathy. I think they are knackered. I don't think he's got any options in terms of strikers. Jolinton's desperately needs a rest. You know, I just it's not happening for him at the moment. Um, and and that's the problem, isn't it? It's difficult not to go over the top when they played like that today. But I, I just feel that, look, it's not a disaster because they're still in the hat. It is a massive missed opportunity because the crowd was there today, willing them on. They had a lot of goodwill on their side today. And they've kind of fritted that. Um, but that's Newcastle United where they are at the moment. You know, they're not, they're a million miles away from being the club and the team that, that we want them to be. Now, Lee said when we're speaking to him that he gets feeling a striker isn't a priority. You said there that you don't really see them possibly sign anyone over the next five days or however long remains of this transfer window. But surely, if you're the hierarchy watching that game, Lee Charlie was here today, you, you, you have to see what everyone else is seeing and saying, you know, Jolinton is knackered. Bruce has openly said he's playing, he's not really 100% fit. Surely they can see what everyone else can see, what Steve Bruce is saying in the press conference, that Newcastle need a striker, and desperately. Yeah, there's an element of gambling, isn't there, by, by, by Newcastle in, in that way. That they, you know, Bruce has said last week they've got Mutu, Carroll, Gale to come, to come back from injury, and we can, you know, we can change things around when we've got them involved. And I think, personally, my feeling is that they're looking at, the, they're looking at it and saying... If we save them money, we've got we've got the summer then to do something. Um, they'll be doing the kind of maths and thinking, well, we can get to forty points from here, you know, and then kick on really, and 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 you know, that'll be what they that'll be some of the element of what they're thinking. I think they could if something comes up. You know, we've just said that we've just said in the press press room there. If there were, you know, if things fall into place, you know, if say Hull think actually we'll knock ten million off the price of Bowen because we need to sell him or we want to sell him then they could do that deal, but not at the price they're asking for at the moment. It's like Giroud was obviously somebody that they inquired about. Um, the Inter Milan thing hasn't happened. Could that? Could they Could they do that in the final days of the window? You know, you never know. I, I just think that it's asking a lot and I don't want to, I don't want to be on the, you know, be on the podcast and, and, and telling people that, look, you know, oh, there could be a big surprise because, you know, Bruce has said to us in the past, you know, there could be, you know, there's players that you've not, you've not, heard of who we could you know we, we are looking to get and I think the problem is when you say that that then people get a bit excited about it and you know I think I'd rather reflect the situation now it changes every day in the transfer window you know that we've seen Bruce has had some days he's come in and he's been really optimistic look we're going to do something and then I think today it's a bit more look some plates spinning I think they will do something before the end before the end of the window um, and I think they would do something in the strike from a strike perspective if it made financial sense. You know, I just, I just not, I just don't think that those deals are necessarily going to fall into place, and they're going to be financially 
um, viable for Newcastle. But I, I think they need something. I think it would be a, a big boost if they if they did get something because Chillington is struggling um, and Carroll's not going to play. You know how many games he's been injured now since. I mean, when was the last time he played against the Rochdale replay, wasn't it? He came on as a sub. Um, he didn't play against Leicester, didn't play against Everton. He played over Christmas. and So he's only played one game since Christmas, and that's almost a month now. And I think that's going to be the pattern between now and the end of the season. We need that. We need that with Carroll. He's not, he's not, his body is not capable of playing successive games, probably. You know, he, he can be involved, um, but they've got, they've got two games now in... in what, Saturday and then Tuesday, so they've got two games now before the winter break, then they've got the 10 games, and then, then they go into sort of every week. So so maybe you'll play you know, maybe 50% of the games after that. It's not a lot, is it? Gale, you know, he started to look okay against Wolves, but he's coming back from a big injury. You know, he's got a history of breaking down. You know, when he gets that hamstring, it does tend to sort of linger on his mind. Um, and then you've got Mutu, who's totally unproven, has not scored in the Premier League since um, Manchester United, has he? He's been a long, long time since he scored. So, you know, it's all very well saying you've got those options, but are those options who can threaten the goal? Um, and they've got some tough games coming up, you know, Arsenal away is coming up, um, winnable games, some winnable games, but I think they need somebody. But, you know, I, I think that they'll probably look at it and say, well, we're not a million miles away from getting safe save the money until the summer and then we'll do something in the summer. But of course, all that could be, um, uh, you know, it could all be meaningless if we've got the uh, Saudi Arabian takeover that's been um, blared about today. Um, but, you know, I, I believe that when I see it. Well, that was going to be the final question to wrap up the podcast. Your take on the reports that the, you know, the Saudi royal family are close to securing a deal for Newcastle? Well, there have been talks with... You know, I think Amanda Staveley, who we all know about, we've, you know, we've dealt with Amanda Staveley a few times before, and I think that's that's kind of, you know, that's probably where some of the scepticism comes from because she's been in this position before, where she's been talking to to Newcastle United. I wonder whether if it's the Saudi wealth fund, why they would need to be, they would need to have her involved if they wanted to do it, they would just do it and. That's my cynicism about it. But, you know, there have been talks. There are other groups involved. You know, I think that the takeover stuff has never gone away. You know, we, we could have written about it four or five times over. Um, and the fact, I think it's been given a veneer of kind of authority because it's come through the Wall Street Journal, which is obviously an austere uh, publication. And, um, you know, people don't think that they get they would get hoodwinked too easily with stuff like this. And there's an element of truth there, definitely. And the people around Stavely are, you know, insisting that this is... This is an authority, but can I just say this? About before Christmas, um, Joseph de Grosser, who's the obviously the guy who was trying to buy Newcastle not, not too long ago, told people at the Soccer X forum that he was a few weeks away from, from brokering this deal for Newcastle United. I have heard that so many times from people in the last two years that we're weeks away, we're days away, we're months away. You know, it's going to happen. We're, we're, and and you, get, you get to a certain point where you're like, if you were, why would why would you you know why wouldn't you just do it? Why is it why, if you have the money, just do it? And then on the on the other side, you've got Mike Ashley, who's not easy to deal with. Um, you know, he 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 he's not easy to deal with from the other side. So when things get leaked out, I think that then it causes problems. But you know, there is obviously an element. There is obviously definitely a measure of truth to it. There's definitely a measure of truth to it. There, you know, it is there have been talks. They've been going on for months. Um, there's a feeling in some parties that, you know, it, it could happen. 
So I think we'll just wait and see, but I wouldn't be kind of breaking out the bunting just yet. I think it's safe to say, I think, I still think that when it happens, if it's going to, and my feeling is it will leak, you know, if something happens, it will probably leak at some point, but it'll be much further down the line to the point of, you know, it'll be in the final knockings when it comes out. This still feels like it's in, you know, a relatively sort of preliminary stage from that perspective, but then it could move really quickly if the Saudi royal family of Saudi princes are behind it. Um, what a story that would be, you know, it would be a global story if they if he took over here for for the right and the wrong reasons. He's incredibly controversial figure, um, and it would be a massive story. It would transform Newcastle United, but you know, I just I'm, I'm cynical because we've been here before, but. We'll, we'll try and keep tracking it and see what happens. You know, there are a few things out there that suggest, you know, the, the takeover stuff is kind of coming to a head. So we'll, we'll see. We will see. But um, I think for the moment, we just concentrate on what we've got, which is the Newcastle United who who didn't need to beat Oxford to get through to the, the fifth round of the cup. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's never dull, is it? Never dull. It never is. Well, Mark, thank you very much. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Head over to Chronicle Live to keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle Night news, including the latest on that proposed takeover. Thank you very much for listening. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.